This is Nuance Radio. I've just heard Jordan Henderson say sorry. I just chuckled. So Curtis has come on, and he—I think Jordan felt he should have gone on to a run. He shouted, "Get after him! You've just come on!" <laughs> oh, made me chuckle. That. Nuance Radio invites you to join the conversation that has come to be known as One Bloke Went to Mo. Welcome, welcome. This is One Bloke Went to Mo uh, with you every week. I hope you're having a good day, whatever you're doing. I hope you're enjoying it. And if you're not enjoying it, then what are you doing? You know, <laughs> quit your job. Be like Victoria. Victoria, how are you? Oh, um i'm okay <laughs> no you're not you're in pain aren't you i'm in a lot of pain yeah what have you done you bruised your sternum i hurt myself trying Is that to... a sporting injury no volleyball or something no baseball no oh i i hurt myself getting under the hood of my vehicle probably too quickly and too forcefully and i hurt myself oh, i'm sorry I'll be okay. You do look like you're in a lot of pain. I can't believe um, we're recording this on a Saturday night. We were supposed to be recording this morning, but uh, I couldn't get up. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a day. Um, yes, it has been. Yeah. And it started raining as well. Did you see that? Yes, I was Just, driving through it. Yes, uh, not freezing yet out there, though. No, not yet. But you no. can kind of tell there's something off about the rain. Yeah, it's getting close. I think. I know they've had uh, freezing weather in the UK. Uh, obviously, you've been watching all the soccer this weekend, and um, a lot of a uh, lot of games called off because of the freezing weather. So, um, mainly those though in the lower divisions, because I think it's something to do with like the like the Premier teams have like underfloor underground heating, so oh. you know it keeps their uh, pitch from freezing. Nice. Yeah, I think that's what's going on. Very nice. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> what are you going to be talking about later? I'm going to be talking about hedges, pleaching, and neat fences you can make out of trees. Pleaching. Pleaching. I like that word. It's a fun word I learned this week. <laughs> mm. Well, more on that in a moment. Um, like I said, it's, uh, you know, cold but sunny. Um, the week ahead looks like we're going to have a, a few nights of freezing this week. Uh, similarly in the UK too, uh, it's about the same temperature. So um, all square on that front. Yeah, we should be expecting some more rain later this week too. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's good. Double checking that real quick. <laughs> now, um, I did want to point out before we go into our local news section that um, we have been kind of leading the way. You may not realize this. Um, for example, uh, many weeks ago, we talked about catalytic converters being stolen right um now i was listening to bbc radio which i do a lot and they were talking about an epidemic over in the uk recently to do with the theft of catalytic converters and i thought wow did we just break that story and now the bbc (laughs) is picking it up who in the bbc is listening hey yeah there was also something on the npr recently i heard that um, we had covered uh, weeks ago so nice <laughs> yeah 
Um, it is important. I just want to point out at the beginning of the show, I am a realtor, um, and I, but I'm not a lawyer or a financial advisor, right? And uh, it's important according to my um, ethics uh, contingency of being a realtor that I point that out because um, sometimes, you know, we end up talking about investments and mortgages and financial stuff, but... Um, Nothing that I say should ever be taken as uh, legal, legal, legally binding, let's say, <laughs> okay? Yeah, and I am and, not an agricultural specialist in any way. Right, and that's what I was going to follow on with, which is, uh, yeah, if anything seems to be uh, like health advice or, um, I mean, even lifestyle advice, I would say, you know, spiritual advice. Like, Get good. <laughs> you know, check yourself first. Like, decide what's good for you and what you're comfortable with. And don't take anything that we say is gold, but rather uh, invitation to maybe look into a subject deeper if it um, piques your interest. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is our conversation. Uh, that's what it's about. Um Looking at the local news over in the UK, uh, Lydney, where I come from, there's a big park estate there, right, where you can go deer hunting and um, pheasant shooting, things like that, right? A huge estate, and it's very old. And even up on the top of it, there are some Roman remains. Uh, so there was a settlement there years ago, and, um, you know... Other legend is that Tolkien uh, came to stay in Lydney for a while and hung out in the park and was writing Lord of the Rings at that time. That's Looking, pretty cool. Uh, my, my joke is that he got the idea of the hobbits from there because, you know, we're all living underground <laughs> in mines and in the forest. And uh, Oh, can I add something to that about Tolkien? Not that the people don't have shoes and have, you know, six-toed feet or anything like that. Oh, or, no. But it does look like the trees could uh, talk. So some of the parts of the forest are so old, like thousands of years old. They haven't been touched. And, yeah, you do get the feeling like in a minute one of them is going to say, hey, stop, stop, uh, <laughs> stop, standing on my, stop standing on my route, mate. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I really have to add this about Tolkien. It's funny mm -hmm. to me when I read it. So Tolkien at one point in time lived not far from the Beatles, Okay. And they were rehearsing. Uh-huh. And when asked about it, I'm probably slightly misquoting this, but think of Tolkien, a man who is wonderful at writing, describing things, you know, made up languages and all these fantastic environments and in books and whatnot. He heard them rehearsing one time, and the best way he could describe the Beatles was indescribable noise <laughs> oh, he no. hated them I was indescribable like, noise yes a oh, man no. who i would consider like a master uh -huh. of writing and language right called them indescribable noise <laughs> oh no oh no my chest hurts ah i okay oh. so i have to tell a story because uh, i know my dad is one of our regular listeners <laughs> and he's going to remember this right we were driving over to uh, some restaurant um over on the other side of the river. Well, that's all I remember. Another foggy night it was. And ah. one of those nights where I didn't really want to be going long. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I was a bit older and I was into Radiohead. And because I was in the passenger seat, you know, I got to choose the, the music. And Ooh. so I put on some Radiohead. And, his, and this is before anyone knew, you know, that before they were, you know, like 
famous or anything well known. Um, and my dad's <laughs> appraisal of it was inconsequential noise. That's, he, that's that was what he said about it. Oh no! Yeah, so um, just like to remind him about that again. Yes, my dad has described music that I've listened to as racket. Mm. What is that racket? I'm like, <laughs> oh geez. Anyway, getting back to the park. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. In, go in ahead. Uh, so they've been filming uh, uh, a, a TV company has been filming this series called The Winter King which uh, is a source of excitement for the for the town, I guess, right? And then over in Bristol, um, a film crew has been also spotted uh, filming some new Doctor Who series. So, yes. Yeah. But it's, it, I think these, what's funny is the uh, film companies are often very secretive. I mean, obviously, they don't need to tell everyone that they're going filming in the streets or whatever. Crowds. Um, but obviously, you know, when they do get spotted, then it causes a huge buzz and uh, <laughs> people are then looking forward to the episode coming out and saying, you know, oh, look, I'm there in the background. Look. There's my house. <laughs> <laughs> I was there when they were filming that. I'm so cool. <laughs> But that's good. Um, and it also leads me on to thinking about how, like, from an economic point of view, right, one of the things they teach you is that during a recession, there are th certain things that are recession-proof. I mean, um, butter and eggs and milk, right? And people are always going to need those, whether it's a recession or not. Um, but similarly, um, lipstick and going to the movies uh, so lipstick as in uh, cosmetics, they are recession-proof to a certain degree as well, right? Because so despite everything, right, uh, times can be economically really bad and you're struggling to, you know, buy milk and eggs and all the basics, but people still want to go out and have fun and they still want to put on makeup and go and see a movie, Got to get that $50 tube of red lipstick, you know. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, th so there's a lot to be said about the movie industry, right? And Absolutely. when I think about jobs for the, for the future, like when I uh, end up talking to my boys when they're like 14 or 15, thinking about careers, I'm going to say, you know, like a, a, lot of the, a lot of the jobs that exist now are not going to exist in the future, uh, because robots or AI is going to be doing it. So what are the things that, you know, are going to be needed to be done, right? A lot of service, a lot of service type jobs, um, but also entertainment, movies. I mean, look at how many people it takes to um, create one of these modern Pixar or DreamWorks type movies. Like we went yeah. to see, um, you know. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> the last wish. It's great. <laughs> it was amazing, yeah. But, I mean, thousands and thousands of people work on, on one of those movies if you ever stay and watch the credits, which uh, I figured out most people don't. Right? Uh, the, okay, there's only... If, if you are someone that stays behind and watches the credits, <laughs> I want to be your friend because there's not many of us around. Oh, well, I know exactly who then because the <laughs> only time I stay behind and watch the credits uh -huh. is if I see a movie with my friend Camille. Uh -huh. Because, see, then... We sit and we watch the credits and we point out the wildest last names. I know, right? We're like, oh, there's Bjornsson <laughs> or some <laughs> other name we cannot pronounce. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I'm often, well, when I was younger, I used to look out for my own last name. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Which, Biddle, uh, very, 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 very rare. I would say so. Yes, not many of those. No. So, wish I'd been born a Smith, really. <laughs> Bland. No oh, offense oh, to anybody. Oh, 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 oh. Controversy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Another uh, story that's going on is, you know Wales, right? It's this country that's next to England. They speak in mostly consonants, right? Uh, lots of consonants, <laughs> yes. And, I like Wales, uh, don't get me wrong. Of, lots of spitting. <laughs> and they are, I think it's great, right? Because I love language and I think language should be preserved. And they are fierce about preserving the Welsh language. Yes. And in Monmouth, which is just on the other side of the River Wye to the Forest of Dean, um, there are some great uh, schools of education there. And they are developing a primary school. So, um, you know, grades like one to five. Um, and they're only talking in Welsh. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they've already got three people signed up for it. Um, uh, but like I said, when, when you look at Wales, uh, the northern part of Wales, a lot of the people will speak Welsh as their primary language. In the southern part of Wales, down near Cardiff or whatever, it's become more integrated with England, uh, primarily to do with the politics, I think, and government structure. So English is the predominant language, um, but like if think i've mentioned all the road signs are still have a welsh first and then english translations okay yeah and um you know the bbc has channels that are only in welsh so um and again you know that is something that's been developed since i was a kid you know in the 70s like in the 70s obviously that didn't exist but over the years you know the bbc has really put a lot of investment into making sure that, uh, you know, diversity is represented, including um, Welsh language. So, you know, you can now on the BBC Sounds app, you can listen to the news in Welsh if you want to. Yeah. You can listen to a lot of programmes in Welsh. And obviously on the TV channel, you can watch programmes in Welsh too. That's really cool. That's It's very cool. Like, yeah. you know, I, I picked on Welsh for just a second there. I have nothing against Welsh or Wales. You're American. It's all right. You're, you're forgiven. Me, 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 me. Um, the other <laughs> thing I love in the news, right, is uh, this story about the uh, Greater Bristol Otter Group. Right? So what I love about England, and I'm sure it's true in America too. I just haven't come across it too much yet, but... Neighborhoods will get together and form a group just to do with the preservation of some uh, family of otters that they've spotted on the, you know, just outside the city. Um, now, unfortunately, a couple of the otters got run over. Uh, I know, which is, you know, why this has become news because now the group is trying to, I don't know, get some signs put up on the road that, you know, there is otters crossing. Um, or to uh, put in some protection either side of the road to maybe prevent the otters from getting onto the road in the first place. Okay. Um, but anyway, you know, beautiful creature otters. And, I you know, know, there are lots in the UK, but it's, uh, it's a semi-endangered species. So I just think it's really cute and really awesome that there are groups of people that are so invested in preserving nature that they've come together and they've formed a group and this is just in the greater part of uh, Bristol. You know, who knows how many otter groups there are in, in the UK? There's a lot. 
if you're in one, write to us. I want to know. There's a lot of otter groups. Yes. I want to be in your otter group. Otters. They are sleek. They are stylish. They're strong and they're smart and they make hilarious squeak sounds. I mean, they're agile on land. They are amazing in the water. Just a beautiful, beautiful creature. I I have a a soft spot for the weasel family. So, yes, otters are in that family. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make that into a T-shirt. No. I have a soft spot for the weasel family. (laughs) Oh, God, no. I know. I'm sorry. It hurts. (laughs) I hurt myself. That's all. So, over in West Plains, any hilarities? We we better not um, make Victoria laugh anymore. It's oh. it's really hurting her. To yes, do so. like the deep inhales are the worst part. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh gosh. Hey, um, uh, the funny thing is, there there was a comedy show in the UK at one point called "It Only Laughs When I Hurt," and it was like I think if I remember rightly, it was set in a hospital. You know. So. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway. Um, West Plains News. I just want to start off with uh, this story about the guy who uh, was acquitted of a fatal truck stop shooting. And now I'm not going to mention his name because you probably, if you live in West Plains, you know who it is. But um, I remember this story coming out about three months ago when he was arrested, Mm -hmm. you know, and put on trial. Um, And now he's been acquitted. So, again, one of the scenarios where everyone knows who it was that's been arrested. But do they know now that he's been acquitted? And are they going to forget that uh, he was ever involved in this story? I don't know. He's probably going to have to move. I mean, maybe, yeah. Uh, The other reason I mention it is because he he once attended the uh, youth group that I led back in the day. And so, you know, like from one soul to another, you know, I was concerned about him. Yeah, I see um, that. So, yeah, I'm glad uh, he's been acquitted. So that's all all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Well, in Mm -hmm. other fun news that does relate to the area and people who do fishing. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people might have already heard about this situation, but there is a fish consumption advisory in effect for local lakes. Mercury levels have been found unsafe in walleye fish. Oh, okay. Yes. Are they common, walleye? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of restaurants serve walleye in the area. Okay. Now, this is mostly coming from the lakes that are in part of Arkansas, Mm -hmm. but it's also in the riverways that cut through Missouri, too. Okay. They did most of the testing in Bull Shoals Lake and Norfolk Lake. So the the threshold for the fish consumption advisory, I believe it exceeded one part per million, according to the FDA. So they're saying don't eat the walleye. Okay. Now, where did that problem come from? It could be anywhere from the soil having excessive mercury in it for one reason or another, rain, snow, fog, and one they even listed was agricultural products of smokestack emissions. Oh. So it's not just tuna now to worry about with mercury. It's in the walleye. Hmm. So... So it's not a bunch of people throwing all their thermometers in the river? No. Okay. No, definitely not. So 
you really should resist eating walleye until that advisory is lifted and they can mm. make sure the parts per million are low enough. I'm more of a sea fish type of person, really. I don't know what it is. You know, freshwater fish, I don't, I don't really like them. I, I think most of the freshwater fish that I enjoy is trout. Yeah, but even that, it's so um, light. Something, they didn't get salted. They didn't I, get salted enough. I know, maybe it's a salt <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, there is. I mean, speaking of that, right? There's a really nice organic um, chicken noodle soup that Walmart does, right? Yeah. Um, but it has no salt in it, so I end up putting salt and soy in it uh, and some pepper, and then it tastes good. But gotta have that sodium intake. <laughs> I, I mean, you know. Trends, they go too far, don't they? You know, like my we, start, we, we started out with grocery items that had way too much salt and sugar in them. Mm -hmm. And then we've gone to a place where, you know, everything is low sodium and there's almost no salt in it. Yes. And I ran into a guy in Walmart. He was, he claimed to be like 95 or something. I mean, he looked like, he looked amazing, right? I mean, looked like he could run a marathon. And he told me he'd been in the military and whatever. And he said, you know what the secret is, man? I take a lot of salt in my diet. I was like, oh, okay. And, but he said, I also drink a lot of water and I run. <laughs> so, well, salt is a preservative. I mean, that's basically what an electrolyte is, right? Like yes. Gatorade. Mm -hmm. It's really just uh, uh, carbs and salt. Yes. Well, I do have some positive news. Mm -hmm. Now... People in town, this is West Plains specifically, everybody knows about the Yellow House downtown, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Now, the Ozark Artery is to host a RED exhibit, R-E-D. Oh, okay. What's yeah. that? Okay, so I'll explain what RED is in just a second, but it's mm -hmm. a, uh, a charitable organization. Okay. And it's going to be a curated event just about that. So okay. local folks can actually put in submissions. From January 25th to February 7th. So they're allowing all mediums. So if you draw, paint, sculpt, uh, do found art, mm -hmm. stuff like that, weaving, just anything. Okay. So they'll take those submissions during that time frame. And the color red must be featured predominantly in the work. Predominantly uh, in the work. Predominantly? Yes, predominantly. Predominantly. Prominently. Predominantly. Predominantly, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, where you send your submissions, it will be read at ozarkartery.art. Give them as much information about the piece as possible, like dimensions, medium, etc., so they can make sure that they have a spot for it. Right, right. Got it. Now let's see. The reception for this will be held on February 14th from 6 to 8 p.m., Mm -hmm. uh, opening night of the exhibit at the Yellow House will be at, here's the address for everybody, 209 West Trish Knight Street in mm -hmm. West Plains. Okay. So the work must be original, no kits, no copies, and accepted pieces must be wired for hanging and be safe to hold, display, and store. No sawtooth hangers, and in the case of 3D works, a suitable display well, you have to supply your own display equipment. Like so, a table? Yes. Got it. So, uh, let's see. The show will be open for public viewing on February 15th and 22nd 
from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and February 16th and 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So just go to ozarkartery.art. All right. Now, RED is a charitable organization that is known around the world for their work with AIDS. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do a lot of charity, like helping people get access to health care Uh regarding that. Okay. And if you've seen anybody wearing clothes that has like that rhino on it that says red, mm-hmm. it's like the echo red, they, they do tons of stuff for that. Oh, okay. They work with a lot of big iconic brands like Nike mm-hmm. echo red combos and stuff like that. Okay. And right now they've got a promotion on their site with their custom cuff red gift for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You pay for one and you put special, I guess you could put geographic locations and stuff like that that are important to you. But the money goes to the organization that helps those communities that are struggling in the areas of healthcare with AIDS. Um, they've done a lot of work in Africa and India as well. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Well, I noticed um, after last week having criticized all the road makers in America that... Um, <laughs> Uh, for not putting, not having enough sidewalks. Oh yeah, that, uh, they're actually building some sidewalks up on uh, Route 17 up in Mountain View. So oh, yeah. So you know, that's uh, that's the universe's way of laughing at me. I always find. <laughs> <laughs> or or you were putting the energy out there and mm. it was working on itself. That's right. That's <laughs> there right. you go. Yeah. Oh, let's see. What other fun Missouri stuff? Missouri Senate discusses the personal property tax. Oh, good. Yes. Always my favorite subject. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, it really is, you know? Yes. So the Missouri Senate Economic Development and Tax Policy Committee is rolling around in this fight for, like, the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Among the three measures, they're going to be listening to Senate Bill 8, If it were to become law, the percentage of personal property tax would be reduced yearly until 2073. Okay. Now, what that means is the Missouri personal property tax funds public schools, fire departments, and libraries. So the money they're getting now is going to slowly be reduced. Right. Um, There's obviously people from both sides arguing the pros and cons of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like they should be reducing that to fire departments. No. Um, well, as, <laughs> as I pointed out before, I think all those things should be federally funded personally because uh, it just makes more sense on a macro level. Yeah. Because you always get people, I mean, is this just personal property tax or is it real estate tax as well? Looks like it's just personal property tax right now. But real estate tax goes towards uh, funding of schools in Missouri currently, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, certain fire departments. but And yet, fire departments remain largely volunteer-run, Yep. which I think is crazy. And terribly underfunded in some cases. It is crazy. Um, it's almost like you're just saying, oh, the private insurance market will take care of it and we can just rebuild things you know rather than save them which um i don't know it's kind of an attitude in america you know like you look at your shopping malls you 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 put them up specifically for sears let's say and then sears moves out and you just 
destroy the whole building and have an empty lot for the next person to come along and build their, you know, chain-like store on it. Um, next weird You thing. know, what was wrong with that Sears building? Why did it have to get knocked down? You know, and they do the same um, on the other side, you know, where... On the other side where J.C. Penney's used to be, and there was used to be a long line of different shops there. Yeah. Uh, they've all gone now, <laughs> right? <laughs> so oh. It's just the way you do things here. So, you know, oh. it's a very disposable economy you have. Very. Now, right? speaking of that, before I go on to this next thing, which mm. will probably interest you and quite a few other people. Yeah, maybe. It. <laughs> Don't put a hopes that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know now. Uh, so in Savannah, where I used to live, uh-huh. the Savannah Mall is closing down. Okay. The it, it, Somebody was taking some weird pictures of the inside of the building, and it's so strange seeing a mall that I walked around in and just remember vividly being decorated for Christmas or fall or in the summertime, just crowds of people there, uh-huh. and all the stores are empty. It's mm. just dead. Mm. And Bass Pro Shop and Target are still connected to it, but they closed off their mall entrances. Mm. It is such a surreal thing to look at. I was like, wow, I spent so much time in that building. I used to work in that place. Right. There was a store there that I worked at. Right. It was like my first retail job there. It's so weird. Yeah. Very surreal. <laughs> so... I wonder what will happen to that. It'll probably just rot. I mean, a lot of those structures, you know, they're not they're not like solid buildings, you know. Uh, the lot of the, a lot of them are uh, steel framed, and then they have paneling, you know. I mean, that looks like brick, but it's not really brick if yeah. you if you go and touch it. Yeah, it's like that. It's almost like a spray concrete foam. It's not as strong as concrete, but. Well, I mean, it depends. Well, my point is, you know, they're easily put up, they're prefabricated, and they're easy to tear down as well. So there's just not much to them anymore. Yeah. Now, and this one I will say was pretty old. Now, um, the the aside that I wanted to mention, uh, because you mentioned property taxes, right, was um, I was reminded this week that um, when you're buying real estate, right, um, often people will get either you've got the money to buy real estate or you get a mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you see a property and it will say owner financed or owner financing. Uh-huh. Have you come across that? Yes. Um, so what they're doing then is the owner of the property is saying it's kind of like a rent to own situation or what's known as a contract for deed. And so what you're saying is, all right, I own this place. You can come and live here, to the, um, you know, kind of like a tenant. You'll be paying a monthly rent. And eventually, after 15, 20, 30 years, um, that money will be considered like you're paying off the loan. Um, I'm reminded of it because it's different to being a landlord, right? So if I'm a landlord and I'm renting at a place, I will pay the property taxes and the insurance on the building, right? Because I don't. I, if, it, if it gets burnt down, yeah. I want to replace it, right? And it's also still mine, uh, as in I'm the owner, so therefore I pay the property taxes on it. When you do a contract for deed or a rent-to-own situation, you are making the. Um, you're still the owner, um, 
and the person buying it, it, it doesn't fully own it until they've paid off uh, the full amount, right? But they are they are responsible for insuring the property and for um, paying the property taxes. So it's a little different, right? Yeah. Um, again, you know, don't take my word for it. Go and talk to an attorney um, or an accountant probably or even your county collector. And it's just a, it seems like a small difference, but I mean, you know, if the property tax is like 600 a year, um, that's 600 a year, right? Yeah, so 600. If you weren't expecting to pay yet uh, because you're renting, um, well, then you do. But if you're doing contract for deed, then not. Now, I will just add that there is a movement actually to outlaw contract for deeds or this owner financing because it puts the person who's buying it into a very tenuous situation. Uh, for one thing, a lot of the contracts will say if you don't keep up your monthly payments and you fall like three months or six months behind, well, then you can just be kicked out and you don't you don't have any equity you know like if you were to lose a house or to sell it um and you've been paying a mortgage well at least you've had you have some equity in it and you'd also have recourse through the courts to go and fight your case and it may take up to six months or a year for for a bank to repossess your property but if the owner still owns the property and you're renting kind of a rent to own situation well then they can just throw you off and you don't really have much comeback on it. And you can't claim back any of the money that you paid. You know, you've lost that. So Wow, okay. It's, it can be quite precarious, you know. Yes. You really have to, again, uh, consult with an attorney if you're going to put one of those together. Um, and when I say attorney, you know, I want to point out that there are title companies. A lot of the title companies around town, they have attorneys, right? So you don't have to go to a separate one. You can go to a title company and they probably have an attorney there. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's like the attorney's thing is real estate law kind of stuff. Well, contractual law, contractual law, yeah. Um, I don't think there's any standardized real estate contracts that cover contract for deed. So you're really having to make one up with whatever your attorney you're working with. Okay, well, speaking of laws, and I guess these can sit in the same group as that. Mm-hmm. So the West Plains City Council met on January 17th where they discussed some city ordinances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first one discussed was Ordinance 4731. And what that was is how the city of West Plains is going to impose a sales tax rate of 3% on all tangible personal property retail sales of adult use marijuana cannabis i know yes i reported on it last week yep so -hmm. they're going to be doing that yeah so that passed then this ordinance passed unanimously wow yeah they all agreed let's tax the potheads tax them um yeah so it's probably going to be around five percent oh not three percent three to five percent they're saying that five percent is the uh i believe the average in the nation Uh uh-huh so Seeing what they can get away with. Yes. Got it. The second ordinance discussed was 4732, which was, it only had to do with a small portion of uh, the town. The zoning map of West Plains 
is wanting to include the property at 814 John in Wiles. It's a, a fireworks store near 63. And they want to do that for better coverage of fire and law enforcement personnel. Oh, okay. So they're just wanting to remap a little bit. The last ordinance was 4733, which authorizes the mayor to apply for federal financial assistance on behalf of the city of West Plains to execute contracts between city and the Missouri Highway and Transportation Commission. I see. So they talked about those things and definitely dealt with the ordinance for the marijuana tax, and they'll get that hammered out for everybody. Okay, cool. Did you see that the uh, 911 call summary came out? No. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I've forgotten how many, what the population is of Howard County, but I'm going to have to look it up. Um, it's around 12,000. It went down a little bit. Of Howell County total? Oh, no, no. I'm thinking West Plains. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know what Howell County is. I'm not sure either. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, anyway, um, so 911 calls are either asking for the police or uh, an ambulance or a fire service or something else, right? Mm-hmm. And they last year they had almost 33,000 calls. Almost half of those were for the police. Uh, about 9,000 were for uh, medical and uh, 3,700 for the fire. Um, calls have gone up by about uh, five to ten percent from last year. Oh, but then again, you know, who knows? Maybe the population has gone up five to ten percent from last year. Yeah, maybe in other um, cities. Or maybe felt like last year they didn't want to bother the police. You know, <laughs> <laughs> want to lock down or something? I don't know. I don't know either. So the other thing I forgot to mention over in the UK. Um, so where Lydney is, it's on the River Severn. And then the other side is where you've got Bristol and the big town, uh, Slimbridge, the wildlife park that I mentioned. Um, and a bit further down, uh, there's Barclay. Anyway, uh, years and years ago, they built some nuclear power stations there. Now, when I was a kid, um, not long after that, they closed one down at Berkeley. Uh, they told us that they basically covered the core in concrete and that we had to leave it alone not look at it for about 100 years, <laughs> and everything would be okay. Well, last week, they broke into that core, and they started removing some of that radioactive waste. Um, uh, but don't worry, they said. They've, they've got plans to build this huge cave underground where they're going to transport all this material. Um, and for now, they're going to put it into concrete coffins and store it in a warehouse just down the road. Ah, so much better. Right? I, not, that's what I thought. Why not wait till the, the hole in the ground is done before you break it out? I don't know. I think it's one of those things like, you know how when you're baking a meringue and they say you shouldn't open the door? Yeah. Yeah, they open the door and now it's all deflated. <laughs> oh, no. I know. It's not going to be a nuclear mushroom. It's going to be a, a nuclear... A- collapsed meringue a deflated pavlova very good yes (laughs) (laughs) like no it fell but if you're listening in west plains don't worry it's four and a half thousand miles away yeah we're we're okay unless there's one upriver. cough (laughs) where is your nearest nuclear plant to west plains i have no idea i have no idea either i i feel i was gonna guess long island but i'm 
<laughs> Apparently that went up in flames. I, I think the, which one? I think there's one closer to St. Louis. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. Oh, so do you like TED Talks? Yes, whenever people send them to me or suggest them to me. Yeah, I've, I've been into TED Talks for a long time. And I just remembered that uh, one of my favorites is this like three minute one. And it's called How to Start a Movement. Have you seen that one? Mm-mm. And, it, and all it is, it's beautifully written and performed. And all it is, is uh, they've got some video. Uh, it, it must be like an outdoor concert, right? And uh, on this hillside, lots of people sitting down, enjoying the music, you know. Uh, one guy gets up and he starts dancing in this hilarious kind of fashion to the music. And then another person gets up and joins him. And before you know it, there's five, there's 10, there's 20, there's 30. You know, suddenly everyone is up on their feet just copying this one guy who did the dance. Nice. Now, the uh, person who's given the talk makes the point that, you know, one guy in, on his own is, is a nutter. One guy <laughs> on his own is just some crazy dude, right? To turn it into a movement, it takes the second person to go up and dance with him. Yes. The second person gives that first crazy nut, you know, some semblance of legitimacy and it makes it okay, therefore, for the other people to go up and join. So, so like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of things Ow. that we do in life, you know. Yes. On our own, we have some crazy ideas. It takes a good, uh, it takes a seconder, right? Like yes. it, you have to nominate yourself, I guess, um, but you also need a seconder. And you definitely need that second person to take that risk. Right. And like I was saying to you the other day, when you look at all the successful businesses that, um, you know, like Microsoft and Facebook, whatever, we can, we kind of think of them as being founded by just one genius. But in actual fact, there was three or four guys with that person who really, you know, made the foundation of that company. And so... Like I always think if you're going to start a business, four people is like the minimum. Because if it's two people, you can get carried away on an idea, right? Um, you, can, you can either nag yourself out, right? So you can get depressed about something and just convince each other that it's not worth doing. Or you can conversely convince yourselves that doing something crazy is a, right, a really good idea. Having a third person there is uh, a buffer because they can at least, you know, offer a second opinion. But it's even better if you have a fourth person there who doesn't have a vote but can be like a president, a mm -hmm. figurehead, who will execute, you know, whatever the three people decide to do, um, but also, you know, be a check and balance on those three as well if they ever get out of hand and, you know, the president doesn't want to execute whatever their order is so looking at your other teammates like dude that was dumb and four is four <laughs> is the minimum right i mean yeah. from there you could have seven eleven thirteen seventeen you know go for a prime number i would but. teamwork makes the dream work well prime number teamwork prime, prime, num prime number teamwork prime makes the number teams make the <laughs> make the dreams make the dreams work yes <laughs> We're dumb. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So tell me more about um, tree shaping. Okay, so tree shaping has quite a few names. 
And probably the most common one people are going to think about for tree shaping is like the topiaries or bonsais. Mm -hmm. Bonsai. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's all, you know, actually tree shaping. Mm -hmm. There's also other agricultural and horticultural practices and it's with it's called pleaching. Pleaching. Pleaching, yes. P L E A C H I N G. Yes. Okay. And what a lot of those things have in common, but mostly the pleaching, is where the artist or farmer or just the person working on it but doing this themselves. Yeah. It's where they're gra- deliberately grafting the living trees together as saplings, making them grow together. Oh, right, right. Yes. Okay. And you'll see people do that with, like, splicing trees together. You'll have, like, the trunk of the tree is a pear, but an apple branch is grafted into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, grafting. Mm-hmm. And they're not so much doing that, but making the saplings cross each other mm-hmm. and causing an abrasion. Okay. But keeping them tied together at that abrasion, and the trees will start to feed each other through that and repair each other, mm. but they fuse together in that process. Right, right. Now, why that's important or useful for us in this situation is that you can make living fences. Mm. And some of the most impressive ones, these things can last basically the length of the actual species of tree, 200, 300 years. Right, right. The downside is that it can take 15 years to get a nice, sturdy, decent one. (laughs) Right, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, a pro about this is that since you have a natural fence, it's going to have leaves, it can produce fruit. So if you do this with fruit trees, you can have a a fence that's growing apples or peaches, plums, whatever have you. Mm -hmm. Or you can have shade trees doing that. And have a nice natural wall. Mm-hmm. Cool thing about this that I figured is you're not the only one going to be using this structure. Right. It can be a sanctuary for wildlife. Right. Birds right. can nest in this way easier than they can like a privacy fence. Mm-hmm. And all the leaf litter you get from it, you can compost that. And the bird litter. Yes, and the bird litter. <laughs> Well, it's a natural fertilization, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, this isn't a new thing. People have been doing this for hundreds of years. Right. Yes. Some people will actually build living root bridges. Yeah, you've heard about that one. I do know about this. Yes. Now, I will absolutely butcher the names of these places, so I highly recommend Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. The pleaching. Yeah. These... These places in uh, northeast India make suspension bridges out of the aerial roots from these trees. I know, it's cool. They weave them together, and I believe some of the useful lifespan of the bridges is five to six hundred years. Wow. How many bridges last that long? And I believe, like, some of the men, that's their whole job, right, is to keep on maintaining the bridge and yep. ex- extending the roots. Uh, yep. Yeah. They even uh, sometimes will weave uh, planks or other branches into it just to add some more support to it as well. Mm, So they're very, very cool suspension bridges. And that society is a matriarchy as well. Yes, it is. I really wish I could pronounce this, but I am... Have a go. Go on. (sighs) Put on your your best Indian accent. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
<laughs> Meghalaya. 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 Brilliant. We'll go with that. We'll have to go with that. Meghalaya. 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 It's okay. definitely all in Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend people digging into that. But yes, I believe you can use every species of tree for this. Well, I hope so, because like I told you, I got some red maple, um, soft red maple uh, samplings. And I don't know if you know the this red maple tree, but it sends out huge amounts of seeds in spring yes they're like little um helicopters i love those yeah so they helicopter down and they create this huge yellow carpet on top of the leaves and because i don't like mowing i've got about 30 of these saplings growing out there and they started about three years ago so now they're about six or seven feet high okay Um, and because they've been growing in between the propane tank and the shed and the shed and the house um there's hardly any leaves on them except on the tops, you know, and they've all grown really straight. So I'm hoping that in spring I can dig those up and then plant them along the hedgerow and maybe start not pleaching them but um, weaving them together because I've seen a fence technique where you can bend them over, uh, sort of like at about the three-foot mark, take a six-foot sapling, bend the top over and wrap it uh, into and weave it into the next ones. Yes, there's a ton of techniques for that. And having as few branches as possible on those skinny parts of the uh, sapling, that's Mm -hmm. actually really useful for that. Right. It's less damaging for the plant at that state because you're not having to put it in shock by trimming off branches. Oh, right. Okay, good. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yes. Now, there are also really cool products out on the market for grafting. Oh, yeah. And one of them was this, it looked like a an ugly hair clip that was just the shape of a tennis ball. Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of the product now, but I watched them. They filled it with like a, a peat moss uh-huh. or maybe a, a hormone-growing medium, and they clipped it onto their lemon tree. Oh. And it started growing roots in that material. And then they just snipped it off and they had a four-foot lemon tree ready to go. Wow. So. I have seen something like that, yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's lots of fun options with that, but mm-hmm. it can take a long time to make a a hedgerow out of saplings. Oh, right, right. But yeah. you can do it and st- still see progress in a year or two. Yeah. And it'll still be doing its thing. Like I said, I'm going to try it in spring, and I will report back. Do it. So, a quick thought for the day before we go. Um, I've been noticing an increasing inability amongst people to say sorry. Now, I'm I'm sorry, what? I'm (laughs) saying this as uh, someone who comes from a country where we're very, very fond of saying sorry. In fact, we get ridiculed by the rest of the world for apologizing for everything. You see it in Hollywood movies, right? But, uh, so yeah, we have taken it a bit too far. When I got here uh, 21 years ago, I remember people saying, oh, if you ever get in a car accident, don't ever say you're sorry, because that's (laughs) like an admission of guilt. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you can end up paying for the accident. Which, again, is kind of like the other extreme. And... I don't know about you, but sometimes I need an apology from someone. 
right? I'd like with my kids, I definitely do. I need <laughs> a recognition that they know that what they did was a mistake. Because otherwise, I don't think, you know, they've really taken the lesson to heart. Like it didn't click. Right. I mean, it's kind of like saying please and thank you. It's an acknowledgement and it's a statement, hopefully, that you're going to try not to uh, commit the same offense again. <laughs> right. But it's also freeing, I think, for you, the person saying sorry, because if you, no, you have to be specific about an apology, right? Yes. You can't just say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, um, or I'm sorry that happened, or I'm sorry for the circumstances, or as my favorite HR person <laughs> used to say, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way, which... <laughs> It's so it's so patronizing to me. You know? I would like, hate that. I know. It's like the the best non answer answer that you can give. Just give the um, most indignant stare, like. <laughs> but no, like if you really want to make a connection with someone, you know, why not say, "I'm sorry, I stepped on your foot. I'm sorry, I said that. I wasn't thinking." Yes, like it's. When you when you practice it, uh, you know, or when you get used to it, it's like water off a duck's back. It's not, it's not a difficult thing to do to apologize. I don't think. When you, uh, but you have to be genuine about it, and I think it's also very freeing because otherwise, I don't know, you're gonna. There's a possibility um, that you're gonna carry around that little bit of guilt for a long time, um, or. Even if not, it's going to get in the way of whatever you're supposed to be focusing on next. So I think it just helps in clearing the air. And I guess the last thing to say is that I don't think we should allow public figures to uh, either not apologize, right, or do what they seem to be doing now, which is being proud of not apologizing you know yeah and that i think has got too far where they're actually what's it called doubling down on whatever position they, they hold and um you know when there are consequences of that they can't just say they're sorry um and it's like they're too proud to say they're sorry i don't know what it is you know uh, it's something arrogance but, uh, <laughs> It seems to be, you know, it seems to be arrogance, selfishness, something like that. Um, it ain't biblical. That's what I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> it ain't in the gospel. <laughs> Confess your sins. Yes. Get right. good politicians. That's right. I mean, he says, he says, right? I mean, he says you shouldn't go to church and worship if you've still got enemies. Right, he says, if you've got a, if you've got beef with someone, or if you haven't, you know, again, confessed your sins or made amends with someone that you've wronged, then you can't really go to church and worship. Oh, that I mean, that clears the conscience too. Well, that's that's what worship is supposed yeah. to be about, right? It's about clearing, getting right, uh, okay, becoming whole, you know, unburdening oneself. Take them weights off. Exactly right. Well, that might be all we have time for this week. Um, Anything else you got, Victoria? Are you sorry? 
<laughs> I'm sorry about a lot of things. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry about the state of humanity, the state of the planet. Yes. Um, notice those are all very egotistical things to be sorry for because, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not really the one to blame or am I because I'm also part of the system. It goes on and on. Oh, um, well, uh, yes. Oh, okay. Um, do you want to finish what you were going to say? No, I had. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, God. There you go. All right. So I have an idea before we leave. Yes. Okay. I, I've, I've mentioned this idea to you a couple times. Judging by your expression, you don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't think what it is. Now. I still want us to do something live on Facebook if we can get enough followers. Okay. So, All right. to anyone out there listening, okay. I will peer pressure slash bully him into doing something on Facebook Live. <laughs> I mean, it's your lookout, you know. If you really <laughs> want to do this, it's going to... It don't scare me. I mean, it doesn't scare me either. I'm just going to say there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, this show is edited, right? What's it going to be like live? <laughs> Hilarious. Maybe. It'll be even better. Maybe. So I'm saying if we can get 100 followers on our Facebook page, uh-huh. I think we should do something live. Okay. So that's those are my cl- closing thoughts right there. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks. So glad you could make it. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Everyone be safe. <laughs> I'll see you. You've been listening to One Bloke Went to Mole.